You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy mother effing hump day, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Hopefully your week is not sucking. Uh, mine's going pretty good. I've been busy, and uh, I'm just going to get right into the meat and potatoes today. Um, huge announcement coming on later this week. I don't want to say Thursday for sure. It's either going to be Thursday or Friday. Um, there's going to be something better happening to this podcast and uh, in this RSS feed that this podcast is on, and uh I think you're going to enjoy it. It's just going to be more of what you ask for, and uh, I'm going to provide it to you that way. So uh, uh, look for a big announcement on all social media avenues and um, a special podcast coming down the pipe later this week. Uh, It's going to be what I think is it's awesome. I'm pumped for it. Um, I'm jacked for it, and uh, I can't wait for you guys to uh, take advantage of this as well. So that is what's coming up. So be prepared to take, uh, you know, to take an extra podcast in this week, and that's going to uh, tell you all about what's happening with the podcast. Other than that. Uh, guys, we have a, an awesome podcast today, and the reason I say it's awesome is because we got a guy who's 23 or 24 years old right now, and just listening to this guy talk, you can just feel the the passion that Blake Ledger has for the outdoors, um, and not necessarily just hunting whitetails in the east, but what drove him to start taking these Western trips as well. So we're going to get into a whole bunch of different topics with a main theme of, um, you know, go take some of these Western hunts while you can. And, uh, and he explains all of that. So, uh, today's podcast is just kind of like a BS session, uh, kind of a hunter profile, just a little bit of everything like most of the most of them are. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. But I just want to say as the summer progresses, you know, we really have to start if you haven't already uh tried a I'm kind of mumble mouth cuz I'm so excited for this announcement uh coming later this week. But if you haven't already, you need to get your bow out and you need to go and shoot it. If you're in the market for a new bow, I got a company that I really think you guys should look at, and that is Gearhead Bows. Um, this year, I'm shooting the T30. It's a 30-inch a- axle. Yeah, it is a 30-inch axle-to-axle uh, bow. 
with a unique dual riser design. And let me tell you, it is very efficient. It is very quiet. It's, the transfer of energy is damn near flawless. And uh, these guys are really onto something with uh, their bow design. And uh, no hand shock. And it's flo- it's flinging arrows downrange really well. And uh, it it basically takes as much flaw out of the bow design as humanly possible and i am i'm i'm just enjoying shooting this bow and i'm having a great time getting back into archery if if that makes sense uh so please if you get the opportunity go to gearheadarchery.com and check out their bows and if you get the opportunity as well find a dealer that is close to you and just go shoot it it will blow your mind um first couple times I shot their boat, it, was, it blew my mind as well uh, on all the previously mentioned uh, parts. So please go check out gearheadarchery.com. And uh, if you have any questions, call them up and tell them Nine Finger Chronicles sent you. Go check out their Facebook page. You know, give them a like. Uh, and hopefully you guys get the opportunity to test one out. So go do that. Enough of the jaw jack, and I feel like all I do is talk sometimes. Let's get into today's hodgepodge of a podcast with Blake Ledger. All right, on the phone with me now, all the way from Michigan, Blake Ledger. How you doing today, Blake? Doing fantastic. How are you, Dan? You know, I don't know about what the weather's like up in Michigan, but we are having these unexpectedly low temperatures for August with no humidity in Iowa right now, which is starting to freak me out, but in a good way, uh, I'm starting to get that itch. So oh, yeah. you got that same weather coming through your area? Uh, yesterday, I believe in the morning, I was up north and, uh, I believe it was a high of four well, in the morning, right when I woke up, it was 48 degrees Whew. and, uh, it got to a high of 62. It was basically fantastic. <laughs> and uh the, the ticks have been terrible up there and uh the last couple of weekends i haven't had one tick on me so yeah it's i'm getting jacked up right now just because even right now it's 970 degrees where i'm at yeah yeah i uh outside today i think the high in iowa is supposed to be or where i live is supposed to be somewhere in the uh mid to low 70s as well and uh, especially when you wake up in August and you have to put a sweatshirt on, like on my yep. way to work on Friday, I, I wore a sweatshirt and uh, I was, uh, you, you can't help but think about getting into a tree stand. And just like you, man, I'm, I got my, my toes tapping. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out look instead of, you know, doing what we should be doing and that's paying attention to the road. I'm looking in the yep. fields and the fingers and trying to see if I can see any deer and, but I, I, oh, yeah. I got a, I got a real quick story for you, right? So yep. my my let's see, Friday night we were at my my parents, my mom and stepdad's. The whole family spent the night, and me and my wife yep. got got away for a little bit, and uh, okay, we got in into side by side, and we started cruising the gravel roads, and we drove by this place I used to hunt oh several years ago that. Um, a friend of mine now hunts with his uh, kids, and um, I think another guy hunts it as well. I I didn't lose permission, but at the same time, I'm not going to hunt it because my buddy hunts it. 
and yep. they're standing in the neighboring field is a no doubter. And I've seen I've seen two hundred inch deer before, um, and I've seen Boone and Crockett deer, and I I'm not the greatest at judging score on the hoof, but just looking at this deer standing in the middle of this corn or this bean field, it was a no doubter two hundred inch deer, probably like a, a twelve pointer. It looked like it may have had some junk on the around the bases, but it was a no doubter two hundred inches. So I'm like calling my buddy up. I'm like, "Oh shit, man! I just saw a two hundred inch buck on uh, on the property next to where you can hunt." He's like, "Yeah, I, I've." Uh, he's like, re- he was real calm. He's like, "Yeah, I've seen him there too." I'm like, "Holy shit, buddy! Like two hundred. So uh, we there's uh, there's one. Uh, there's a big deer running around. Hopefully my buddy, my buddy's got this pinch point where it kind of all this, all these properties run together. And he was yep. telling me about it, how last year in, in one day he saw 67 deer during the rut. What? Yeah. 67 deer come through this. He counted. And, uh, and I'm like, Oh, you're bullshitting me. He's like, dude, I'm not bullshitting you. I'm like, he goes, every deer comes through there at some point within like a, a 48 hour period. And I, and he's like, if, if I play my cards right and I time it right where this buck co- decides to come through during daylight, then I, you know, I'll, there's a potential. I have a crack at him if he stays in yep. the area. So that was something that got me fired up this weekend is not only the temperature, but being able to see a deer of that caliber on the hoof in velvet, just kind of, standing there and then you know he turns his head and he runs away and i'm just like had to i don't know they got 200 inch deer in michigan i think they're somewhere i don't know where they're at but nobody knows where they're at but uh (laughs) there's been a couple that have been shot but yeah they're they're uh they're smart deer here man but back to you a second you uh, no doubt 200 inch Mm mm-hmm no doubter. That's that's insane. Like there's there's no like oh it might be two oh one. Like this is like it exceeds two hundred. Probably, yeah. Um okay, so I got real quick, let me tell you. Okay. Uh, you know, you've probably heard of the story of shipwreck, right? Yes, I have. The the year I shot him and I and could didn't recover him, he w- he probably scored somewhere around the two ten. Uh he oh, had a Lord. lot of ju- he had a lot of junk. And yep. then over my, you know, since 2006, when I really jumped into bow hunting hard, I've probably yep. seen three, maybe four, 200 inches. Not necessarily from the stand, but one I was driving back from a, I was driving back from a hunt, and yep. I was watching this, these does. I come up and I'm, I, I slow down because there's a doe crossing in front of me, and there's other does. Uh, eating out of this lady's bird feeder. Yeah. I look to the right and there stands yet to this day, the biggest buck I have ever seen in my entire life. And it was, I want to say an eight by eight typical what? 16 with just what? like, yeah, this is no joke. Um, what I, what I felt were probably 18 inch G twos. And dude, he was the biggest typical frame deer I've ever seen in my entire life. He wasn't, 
as wide as like the Hanson buck, but he was he just looked like a gate. And then he turned he turns his head and I let go of the wheel. <laughs> I, I can remember like letting go of the wheel on my truck and just following him. And oh just, my like, god, it was. Uh, so then, like the next day, I knock at the door and I go, "Hey, my name is Dan Johnson." And before <laughs> I, before I could finish the sentence, the guy goes, "You saw him, didn't you?" And I go, "Oh my gosh. I go, "Yeah." <laughs> and then he go, and then he's like, "No," and I go, "Good luck." <laughs> All right. Oh man, so it just looked like a rib cage coming off his head. Oh, it was, and it was mass too. I mean, oh my gosh. Just, you know who Larry Zach is? The painter? Uh, yes. Yeah. So he paints these these amazing uh, paintings of basically dream bucks, right? Yep. yep. So basically, think of something that Larry Zach would paint. And, like, if you can imagine that, that's what this buck looked like. Just big, swollen neck, big body, giant rack. It was... Uh, I will just never, ma- I will never forget that day. Just majestic. Yeah, standing under a yard light in a uh, oh like where, where a uh, where the tractors would come in and out and it, it, next to a barn and next to the barn was this yard light. It was like a beam from God. Oh my! Came down on top of this buck and was just like, I'm surprised I made it out of there alive. Like my heart, yeah, jumped, I, I, my heart jumped and I I let go of the steering wheel. But anyway, I, w- I would have gone in the ditch. <laughs> well, that's what I, I, I called one of my buddies up. He's like, why didn't you hit it with your car? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the Lord biggest buck I ever seen. And this buck was, oh, quite smaller than that, but still a, a, a no doubter, a no doubt 200 inch deer. So I, I uh, could, I couldn't even fathom that. No, I hope I hope my buddy gets a at least gets a couple trail camera pictures of him to send me and that would be uh, incredible. So tell me a little bit about uh Michigan, man. How long have uh, you're you're 23, right? Yes. Okay. So in some people's eyes you're still kind of a baby, but yes. uh but how long have you been bow hunting, hunting? Well, um basically um, I think I was probably around five or six when uh, I basically went from the the little kid of playing with dinosaurs and all that stuff. And I remember one time my grandpa just came over came over to the house and he had a six point in the back of the truck. And basically, the moment I seen a deer for the first time in person, it was like game over. Dinosaurs are done, and all I yeah. care about is deer now. And right. I just remember in elementary school, I was looking up books and all that stuff. But and I was so out and. I remember my mom would, she uh, subscribed to Outdoor Life magazine, and back then they would uh, send in VHS tapes from like Jury Outdoors through Outdoor Life, and I'd get those and I would watch them over and over and over and over all the time. That's all I watched when I was little, and uh, I was so into bow hunting. I never even thought about gun hunting. I just thought shooting a bow had to be so cool, and I asked for it for my birthday, like four years and like no actually if it was six it was like <laughs> three years in a row and i remember the one year i was like thinking this is this is gonna be it this is gonna be it. i'm gonna get a bow for my birthday and they're they my birthday they said all the gifts in the garage and i'm like all jacked up and i go in the garage and it's a mongoose 
BMX bike. I'm, and I was like almost pissed <laughs> that I've got a bike. I'm like, come on. And, have I been then, good uh, this year, Mom? Dad? Yeah. Have I been good? I think I've been what pretty good. I get a goddamn and, uh, bike? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I had, ended up getting a bow. And then uh, parents realized real quick um, that they needed to figure out a way to take me out to fling arrow somewhere and like go up north often because I got the bow. I think it was like, I think I ended up getting it for Christmas and I, I had a pillow in my bedroom and I was shooting my pillow all the time when I would go up in my room. And one day I missed and uh, put an arrow in the drywall and <laughs> back in the day like right now i know how easy it is to patch up drywall but back in the day i literally thought my dad was going to come upstairs and murder me so <laughs> so for about three weeks i got away with it and i put a pillow on the wall hiding the hole and uh he ended up finding it and he was just laughing and he's just like oh my gosh are you serious how long does this have and i told him how long ago it was and and basically that's when they knew that they, my dad was like, okay, I got to get you out shooting more and take you to like archery shop and all that. But yeah, and got to a house that had wood in the backyard and basically every day after school, I was slinging arrows until dark. And I just remember the the house next, there was a, actually an open lot in the summertime. I would just walk around the open lot shooting grasshoppers with my bow. And, <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's basically how it started, and it just escalated from there. My dad is actually not a hunter. He goes up. He he started. He hunted only just because he's seen how much it meant to me, and he took me out and he bought a bow and he went out for a couple of years, and we never ended up shooting a uh, shooting a deer together when we were out there. But um, man, I'm sure glad that's that's how he got me really into it, and then basically from the age where I could go by myself, that that's when he he stopped hunting again and he just loves being up north he's just all about the. he's the guy that just builds stuff up north and cooks everybody food <laughs> right so he's, he's the he's the guy he's the uh outfitter basically right he's oh, he's making I sure mean, everybody's not... up and out and and cooking oh, yeah. and cleaning for him and stuff like that hey i'm not mad because i mean i get back at night and there's awesome food waiting there for you <laughs> absolutely it's pretty, it's pretty much great so who taught you how to hunt and how to shoot a bow. I mean, is this something that you picked up by yourself and just taught yourself or did your grandpa help you out or was it your dad it, taking you to the archery shops that uh, kind of guided you in the right direction? It was kind of accumulation of all, all of them. Um, I'd, I'd learned a lot from like reading magazines and all that stuff. And, um, but yeah, I, I remember I went and I got lessons at an archery shop when I was really young and um yeah it was it was mostly self-taught i mean back when i was like 12 and all that stuff you had allowance and all that stuff and i figured out i rednecked away uh, i rednecked away of making a stabilizer out of like a pvc and i figured out <laughs> to put like sand in there and i taped it up so it would add some weight to the front of my bow and yeah i i i I had a setup that was pretty janky, but I figured out a way to make it accurate. But yeah, right. I, I was most, I was mostly self-taught and hunting. I had a couple people in my family that, um, showed me different ways of, uh, hunting and all that. But up North where, where I hunt, it's, 
everybody at camp, they're the kind of people that they put the legal amount of bait out in front of a tree stand by a couple runways and hope for the best. And that's kind of how I was brought into the hunting. And then I learned in the last about four years, especially um, about five years ago is when I started really researching on what to look for and bedding areas and all that. And uh, then once I started hunting out West, when you only have a limited time, that's when it really kicked in where you have to really figure out where the animals are. And I kind of brought that into Michigan and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's go. I'm glad I started getting away from the whole Bay pile thing. <laughs> yeah. That's how a lot of guys out here in Michigan hunt. Right. So you started hunting. Um, did you play any sports in, in high school and middle school or, or were you just, Hey dude, I'm an outdoorsman. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hunter and fisherman type of guy. Well, I was going to play football, but then I heard about two days. And I'm like, I have no time for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's going to take way too much time. I'm like, I would way rather spend time on the weekends being out hunting or something than playing football. Yeah. And then I played, I played golf. Don't mock me on that, but I played that's golf funny. and then I figured out how freaking awesome turkey hunting is. And then I quit golf. <laughs> and um <laughs> then i just became yeah i was just all about it i was never i was never into sports after that it was all about being outside so were you that were you that kid that uh after school was over you're hauling ass to the timber to try to get in before you know the deer start moving for a for an evening hunt oh i always had my camo and my bow in the back of my toyota corolla nice nice no, so how many deer did you put in the toyota corolla there was actually, uh, with one of my buddies on an opening day of gun season, I filmed it and he doubled up on two bucks within 15 minutes of each other. And we put two, both those bucks in the, actually fit two, they're, I think they're both like two and a half year old bucks, but we fit two of them <laughs> in the trunk of a Toyota Corolla. Did you, were you able to close the trunk? Or were they oh, no, wide open? Oh, no, the heads, the heads were sticking out. I feel kind of bad. We, I mean, nowadays I would have a little bit more respect than that, but back in high school, we thought we were the coolest guys in the world. <laughs> Driving two around. Bucks, I have two bucks sticking out of the back of a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Still have her war paint on and everything. That's funny. Yeah. So, I, you know, you said you were raised in the throw some bait out type of uh, yeah. hunting, you know, family or so at what point did you you know st say hey man this this uh this baiting really isn't for me I, i'm not i'm not having fun doing this i need to be because it sounds to me like you're a go up and get them type of person uh so oh, when yeah. did you when did you make that decision to stop sitting over bait and go find the sign find where they're living find the transition areas and uh, go and hunt them um it was probably the when it really hit me is the first year I went out west because um, basically out there instead of waiting on the animals you got to you got to make your own luck you got to okay. you got to go in after them you only have a limited time and if you booger up one area of public land you just go to another one and try something else and um, and when we had success doing it that way I'm like well what the crap why don't I just try this in Michigan. And, um, 
it's it's worse. It's just on my part of missing because I've gone out with a. I've been using a recurve the last couple of years, and uh, the last two years I've missed two bucks that were three and a half years old, and um, the one was on the one was on the ground in November in a bedding area, and the other one was in a transitional area that I knew that deer were going through recently and uh went in there on the limb and yeah that that's that's the story in itself but missed that one too but uh <laughs> okay hopefully third time is a charm with a stick well this year okay so you instead of making the change in Michigan during whitetails you you decided to go out west and do a couple hunts and that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what we, the email to me talked about was how going out West kind of changed your life as far as uh, hunting is concerned because you brought back strategy from out West to back to Michigan, right? Yeah. Okay. So first off, tell me why go out West? Um, What made you say, Hey man, I want to, I got to leave Michigan and I got to go hunt out West uh, and that was four years ago, right? Yes. That was, so you that were was 19. Yep. So you were, so you were 19 years old. Um, and yep. a lot of people at that point in their life are still trying to figure out the whitetail game, uh, in a lot of senses. Um, and I, and I, I feel that you probably were too, but what yep. was it about the, the West and going out and taking a Western hunt that spoke to you? Um, it was mostly, well, I watched a lot of Primo's, and Primo's makes elk hunting look so dang good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I was just, I just, can't, I just thought about it. It's like, it was, it's literally like turkey hunting dinosaurs. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, they're just bugling in your face and all that. I'm like, I just have to experience that. I've never been out, in, out west before. And I was just thinking about it, and I, I don't know. You just hear so many people say, "Oh, I wish I could go out west and all that." And I'm like, "Why? Why can't you? There's so much public land out there. Why don't you? Why don't we just try it?" And um, my one buddy at the time I was framing, and um, my other buddy that was framing. One time we went out to Chinese, and him and I were we were in Chinese. I just go, "I want to go out west," and he's the kind of guy that he's just down for anything, and. Uh, He's like, I'd like to go out west too. I'm like, I'm being 100% serious. If I like figure something out, I'm like, are you down? He's like, dude, I'm down. And I'm like, look at me in the eyes. I'm 100% serious right now. (laughs) (laughs) And like three days later, I was already buying my tag for out there. And I was, we were full speed ahead. We were getting all of our gear and all that stuff. And yeah, it was in the... I had a buddy that I actually met through Craigslist, believe it or not. Hey, uh, well, this isn't that kind of this isn't that kind of podcast, I, man. I know. Okay, but listen, I bought I bought like uh, what was it? It would have been three years prior. I bought a Hoyt bow, and it was uh, about forty minutes away from my house where the guy was selling the bow. And I went there, and I seen that he was making a bunch of antlered furniture and stuff the guy that sold me the bow and what it was was he is from michigan he moved out 
to Montana, and then his mom was sick, so he came back home to be with her, and he was selling his bow in the meantime. And so I just got to talking with him, and then he, before I left, he goes, hey, here's my number, keep my number, and anytime you want to come out west, he said, give me a call. And after I, we went to Chinese that day, I gave that guy a call, and I said, hey, would you be down if we'd come out there and go on a hunt with you? He goes, you get a tag. He says, I'll, he goes, I'll meet you out here somewhere. So, uh, that, so that was that, Montana. Yeah. yeah. So okay. now the guy that I met through Craigslist, I bought a bow from, we became lifetime friends and, uh, we met him out there and it, it is extremely nice to have somebody out there that can like point you in a direction. I, I'll, I'll give that even like going DIY and all that, but if you yeah. can find somebody that can just point you in a direction, they don't have to tell you a specific spot. If they can just point you in a direction, it makes the world a difference. Right. And, um, yeah, that first year, it was everything just fell into place because we got there. Um, he was already on the mountain. He came back, and he goes, I found a herd of elk that were in this meadow, and they went down into the – it was basically in a saddle. There was like a – there's two meadows and in between the meadows, there was a thick thing of pines and it was like kind of like a ravine down in there. And he said the elk went down there and they never came back out. So he was guessing that they were bedding in there. And he said there was one bull in there. And, uh, he said, do you want to go out there and see if we can get those, see if those elk are bedding in there? And I'm like, all right, I'm down. I'm down for anything. And, uh, well, hold up a second. Day, Be- before you get any further into this, we skipped, we skipped that? a, we skipped a big portion of this story. Dang it. And, no, and that's all right. Okay. But okay, so you're sitting there with your buddy, and you said, yep. "Hey, I'm going to look at me in my eyes, man. I'm serious yep. when I say this. I want to go to. I want to go out west and hunt." Okay, so yep. you met this guy on Craigslist, which is which sounds <laughs> funny to say, but you yeah. bought a bow. You bought a bow from him. Yep. But before that, what yep. what sparked your interest about going out west? It's Cause I'm, I mean, just being from Midwest and being from Michigan, I mean, it's something that you don't experience unless you go out and go do it. And I don't, I didn't want it to be where I'm 36 and I have kids and all that. And I'm like, I haven't even gone out West yet. <laughs> so and you pretty I, much described my life. Yeah. <laughs> but you've gone out West though, have you? <laughs> I've, been out, I've been out West to elk hunt once, but I am 36 with kids and a pregnant wife wishing that I would have went out West before I had kids and a wife. So I just, have, yeah. I just have more obstacles in front of me than you do. Yeah. Right? And, and, <laughs> and, uh, I, that's what I was just going through my head and I'm just like, I might as well experience it now. Right. And, and, uh, I just, we just took a leap and we just went for it and, it it definitely was a great decision to to do that because now just the knowledge and everything I'm so happy that I went out there and we're going out there again this year and I I just can't get enough of being out west especially in the month of September. Right. So you are, um, you know, at the time you were 19, right? And you're yep. And so you call this guy up after you buy a bow. And yep. he's like, yeah, come on, come out hunting. But before that, what kind of research did you have to do before this first hunt? Right. Uh, cause 
you can't just get in your car, grab your bow and camo and drive to Montana for an elk hunt. There's got to be some kind of planning and preparation, or maybe there wasn't. And you did just tip, like really shoot from the hip and get out there yep. with nothing but your camo. So, so what was that like? Uh, it, it was different. Um, the first year we brought everything just sick. I mean, we brought way too much stuff, way too much. And, uh, and it's it's just weird how you go from the first year and you bring so much stuff and you learn from what stuff you didn't use. And then this is our fourth year and I'm going to be going out for two weeks. But basically the stuff that I'm going to be hunting for two weeks, I can fit in like two backpacks. Nice. I'm not going to have like basically any equipment other than like two bags in my bow. Okay. So, so how how did you know... I mean, obviously you knew where this guy lived, but yep. was that a, a general unit? Uh, did you have to draw yeah. for it? Did you, no. was it over the counter? Uh, it, the way that they have it out there is you have to uh, apply for the tag, but I think this area is basically a 100% guarantee okay. to getting a tag. Okay. So before, before the September hunt, when did you have to apply for that tag? Oh, I think it, I think it would have been March, February, okay. or January. It was it was in the winter. Okay, so you 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 applied for the tag, and your buddy applied for the tag too, right? Yep. So there was two of you that went out, and you both drew. Yes, the the first year what we did is I I bought the combo tag, which you get uh, elk and deer, and then okay. he just got a deer tag that first year. And okay. then what we were going to do is if. I shot an elk that first year. We were going to flip-flop. I was going to just get a deer tag, and he was going to get the combo tag. Okay. All right. So you put a little uh, planning into it. Did Did you have all the gear that you needed to go out there? Or no, I did, did not. you have to go and spend some money? I had to spend some money at Cabela's, and it was one of those things where you go into Cabela's, and you swipe your card, and you don't feel bad at all on what you just spent. <laughs> <laughs> it was all worth it. Oh, I love like that is youth right there. Cause I did yep. the same damn thing, but I did that at bars where yep. it'd be like, I don't care what it costs. Put it on this piece of plastic that I'll never just have to pay it. back again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just swipe exactly it. it too. It's so, exactly it. so roughly how much, how much cash did you end up dropping that first year? Oh my gosh. Um, once again, it was a bunch of things that I learned about 50% of the stuff I didn't need, but right. I'm like, all these guys I see in videos have them. I should totally have that. Right. So I got it. But, right. um, I think I ended up on equipment. I, I bought a few different, uh, layering systems and I bought a new pack with bladder pack. Um, and just, a, obviously I don't, I've never hunted elk, so I bought like a diaphragm with Google tube. I think it ended up being around five hundred dollars. Gotcha. I think okay. in the long run. So five hundred bucks um on a little Cabela shopping spree. And then yep. and then um you know, you basically wait and I take it you were you were working you said you were working as a framer, right? At yep, the time. At that time. At yep. that time. So when in September hit in Michigan, you can still do work. Uh, did you tell your boss, Hey man, we're going 
we're going elk hunting. And so what was that conversation like? Did you quit? Did you just actually, use vacation or what was the deal? This is actually pretty dang funny. Um, so what happened was, is I was going to start a new job. Okay. And I planned it out perfect to where I was going to quit framing right before I left on this trip. And I told the job that I'm working at now, I told them that I was going to be back the second week of October. So what I did was I hunted out West, came home, and then I hunted the whole first week of October deer season. And then I started my next job. Okay. I got you. So I kind of sped it up that way. All right. So you, you put in a a little chunk or you, you, sliced out a little chunk of time so yep. you could be out west and for that first year how how long were you out west we were out there for just a week which just a week okay yep all right so now we can get back into this into this story <laughs> where you get out there the the guy you met on craigslist bought a <laughs> you bought the bow from uh yeah he 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 located some elk for you up in this uh, this big uh, deep dark ravine. Now take it from there. And uh, sorry, I, I got so far ahead. I just get oh, you're fired up, up man. You get oh, fired I'm up. I'm so fired up right now. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so we go we go there and um, we just slowly creep down into the saddle and. I'm just freaking taking everything in because I, this is the first time I've ever gone out in the mountains and just being in elk country. I mean, it's absolutely insane. If you've never experienced it, you have to, at some point in your life, it, it was just like, I had to pinch myself. Cause I'm like, I feel like I'm in a Primo's DVD right now. <laughs> and, uh, and this is on public we, ground, right? This is all on public ground. Yeah. And, we found a few like wallows and all that stuff leading up to there. And I'm just getting so fired up and we calm, we sit down and calm down. And that, the met, that metal that we're trying to get to is only like 200 yards away. And we're just sitting there kind of relaxing a second. And my buddy that I met on Craigslist, all of a sudden I hear him start flicking something. He's lighting a cigarette. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's a wind checker. And he's like, he's lighting a cigarette and he goes, that's perfect. Takes the cigarette and he buries it. And, uh, we get right up to the edge of the meadow and we're kind of tucked in the shade and he lets out one cow call. And I, I, if I actually have it, it's on video of this whole hunt. And, um, he literally lets out one cow call and you see me start dropping down because the moment he said, does that first cow call, here comes a cow coming right up the hill into the meadow. And there was one cow, two cows, and then the bull was the third one. And, and, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was standing on a runway and we were talking to shade. So they couldn't see us, but this bull was coming right towards that runway. And I drew back and before this hunt, Every, every state has a different, um, whether it's the bull has to have brow tines, uh, it can be a spike bull. We never really had this conversation about what's legal and what's not. And this bull wasn't that big, but it was a good bull. I mean, it's a three by four. But I was drawn back of that full draw, and I asked him, I said, is he legal? 
and I didn't get a response, and he just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. And I asked him one more time. I said, it's illegal, and he goes, oh, my gosh, shoot him. And when he <laughs> said that, at this point, the bull's at eight yards facing me straight on, and I put one right in his chest. He wheels around. He does a cow call. The bull only goes about 12, 15 yards, stops, turns around, looks where the cow call was, and he falls over at 20 yards. It was absolutely insane, and it all happened on the first day. <laughs> this story <laughs> just seems unreal, man. Like, yeah, you, you can see the video. I have it on video. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying the, the hunt itself. I'm talking about your story about a guy sitting at a Chinese restaurant saying, <laughs> "I want to go out west," and literally, this whole it's it's just like I can see this being turned into a comedy. With, yeah. you know, like Will Ferrell is the, is some, some kid who's like, Hey man, I want to go out West and hunt elk. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go do that. And then, you know, just this craziness ensues and you literally, was it, was it an evening hunt or a morning hunt? It was, it was an evening hunt. An evening hunt. Okay. So, yeah. so then you get out there and you know, uh, this is crazy. I'm like getting, I'm getting fired up. Like right now, this yeah. story is, is making me very happy. I'll put it that way. So you let the arrow go at, at eight yards, an animal yep. that's probably 800 pounds looking right yep. at you and yep. you bury it, you hit it. What thoughts were going through your mind at that point? Um, I was like, oh man, I could barely talk. I, my knees were basically given out. Um, I don't know. I was just jacked up. I, oh man, I just remember I gave my buddy Jack a hug and I I thought I hugged him so hard. I broke his ribs and <laughs> we all started high-fiving and just, he couldn't believe it because he's like, I've never seen a bull die so quick. And it just turned around, looked back and all of a sudden just tips right over. And we are just freaking out. And, um, we're all just celebrating and all that. And in the video, you can hear this too. We're talking and all of a sudden you hear a bull sound off, start screaming. And we're like, what the crap? And Jack goes, Hey, I still got a tag. And I'm like, let's freaking try this. So Jason then follows Jack and I stay back in that meadow and I'm cow calling. And, um, long story short, they get up in the saddle towards the bull and the wind switches and it sounds like a freak train coming down towards me. And I'm like, oh, boy. And um, I didn't know if he shot or anything. And all these cows come running through. And then I see the bull. And from the side, he didn't look terribly big. He looked like he had short tines, short up front. He looked like looked like he had good fronts. I'm like, that's a pretty good bull. And he comes out into the meadow, and I cow call at him, and he turns. And... This bull, the way I describe it, is he was not suit. He was not tall, but he was so wide that if I would have shot this bull, his antlers would have wrapped around the turtle top on my Ford F one fifty. He was so wide. <laughs> he it was he was just so wide. It was incredible. And I, the thing is, is this was probably a three twenty three thirty inch bull, six yeah. by six. 
But I was so jacked up that I just shot a bull and it's laying right there. That I really didn't even care about that bull, but it was still super cool to see that. Yeah. So, so when you walked up and you put your hand, you know, after all that faded away and, and the first thing I want to ask you is, were you affected by altitude at all when you got out yes. there? Yes. Yes. Explain that's, that. That's another, another thing that I was telling the story. And I would, I would highly suggest this to anybody that's going from the Midwest out to the West is at least your first trip, try to get there 24 to 48 hours before, if, especially if you're doing an elk hunt. Um, get out there 24 to 48 hours just so you can get acclimated because that first day we got there and we were just balls to the wall. Let's just freaking just go for it. And that was pretty bad because I had a pounding migraine the whole time. And there was, I was just drinking water the whole time and it just wouldn't go away. But yeah, I was, I was affected by it incredibly. Yeah, that, that, that happened with me. Um, I actually took some, uh, altitude sickness pills. Uh, They have those? They, yeah, they do. It's, uh, oh, it's like dramamine, but, um, I went to my, somebody, somebody suggested it to me because, uh, we did, we, we got in the car, drove straight to the base of the mountain or straight to the town, bought my tag, drove straight to the, uh, um, the base of the mountain unpacked and just started walking, uh, up the, up the incline and, uh, uh, I have never felt so helpless in my entire life. Like it's terrible. It's a, it's, it was such a mental game where I felt defeated on my very first, you know, 200 foot little bump that I was climbing over. And then it, it kind of kicked my ass the entire trip because I was pounding so much water and could not keep up with, uh, with how fast it was leaving my body, not necessarily through sweating, but just that thin air. I just felt like it was peeling it out of my body. Yep. And, um, the second year that we went out because of that, what I did is I don't know if you've ever seen them, but like they kind of gone away, but for, there was like these elevation masks. Have you ever I, seen those? I have one I'm looking at right now. Yeah. I purchased one and, um, I forgot what I said. It was a high elevation. And the way that we would train for out there um, every week was we would grab sandbags and we'd be carrying sandbags at our uh, local high school. We'd go to the football bleachers and we'd go up and down each stairway, go around the track, do the away side, go on the other side, redo the home side, and then we'd run a mile. And I would do that with the elevation mask. And I thought it was going to help. But the thing is, is when you are in that elevation, not just working out and you take it off, like take the mask off, you, it's, it's completely different and it helped in some way, but still I was, I was still getting migraines and all that stuff when I was out there. I think that elevation, that training mask, uh, what it helps is the muscles in your, uh, that help you breathe it makes yeah. them stronger so yep. you can I, I think what it does is you can take in more air it doesn't have anything to do with what oxygen your lungs can process um, yep. because I did the same thing I trained with a, a training mask and I it 
it didn't take me as long to recover. So I would have to stop, but like just for like five minutes, catch my breath and then keep going again. Um, yep. and I think that training mask helped with that, but if you, if they could, if they could find a way to really, uh, emulate the, the atmospheric difference yeah. up in higher elevations, I'd be all for that. Oh yeah. And just, don't get me wrong. Physically, I felt way better the second year because I think I used that mask. Yeah. But the migraines and all that stuff, they were still there. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see here. Um, so you got you got your uh, your elk. Um, so what did you learn from that? I mean, it was a fast trip, right? So what did you oh, do yeah. the rest of the time while you were out there? You, did you go chase mule deer? Well... Actually, in that area, there's not a large population of mule deer. We went after whitetails, and being a guy from Michigan, where I, I, at, at, when I would started out hunting off bait piles and all that stuff, I mean, in a season, you would see if you seen forty deer in one season, that was incredible. Right. And you go out west, and there's forty deer out in an alfalfa field at noon. And you're like, what the crap is going on? <laughs> it, it's a, it's like a zoo out there. And when you were talking about that 200-inch buck that you've seen, out there was actually the first time that I ever seen a caliber. Up, It was probably a 170, and my knees gave out when I seen this thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this thing is so big. And I don't even want to know what a 200-inch would do to me. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's night and day experiencing – whitetail country out there compared to Midwest and Michigan and all that. And we, I remember we went, we had no cell phone signal. So I shot this bull on the first day and we drove into town. And of course I got to call everybody that's in my contact to let them know I shot a bull and they're all freaking out. They're like, what the crap you just got there. And, um, on our way back uh, to camp, we were stopping at a bunch of places. And my one buddy that lived out there, Jackie, Point out, he's like, yeah, that's public. And the field that he was pointing that was public had like 150 deer in it. I'm like, what? And that's when, like, we were like, tomorrow morning, we're going to be long distance scouting, figuring it out. Because the problem out there is the deer will be out in the fields almost all night, and then they go into the cottonwood bottoms to bed for the rest, usually like the rest of the day, and then they come back out in the afternoon. So mornings, you really don't hunt that's what we, that's what we did. We just scouted from a distance to figure out where's the best place to hunt for the afternoon. And, um, so that's what we did that morning. And, um, we found a spot where they were hugging the edge of this really thick brush. And, um, we're like, let's, we have to cross the river and all that. Let's sneak in there and hunker in that brush. And Actually, on the second day of doing that, that's when uh, my buddy Jason ended up shooting his whitetail out there. Wow. So, in one trip, you got your elk, your buddy got a whitetail. Um, yep. And still, for for the plan, what you had two days left after that happened. Yep. Right? So, yep. So, first off, I want to say, the so, what you witnessed out in Montana was good qual like a, obviously good numbers of yeah. whitetails but the caliber of bucks 
Uh, were there a good no, um, – was the caliber of Bucks really good as well, or was it just you saw one giant and the rest were – I've seen that one giant that was on private land, and they were out there for, They were out there all day. It's a ranch that nobody hunts, It's and they were 100 yards off the road just hanging out. But yeah. um, even on the public, I mean, you were seeing an incredible average. There was really – I remember there was one afternoon at last light, two bucks came out and they were probably pushing 150, 160, maybe even more than 160. But you were looking at an average of like the two and a half to four and a half year old bucks. You're looking at an average of probably 120 to 140. And um, the buck that my buddy Jason shot, that was, uh, I think it ended up being, a, I think it was only a two and a half year old. But the way that he came in, is the reason why we ended up shooting him because he kind of startled us because he came out of nowhere and I just told him to draw back because he didn't see him and he drew back and the deer walked right in front of him at 15 yards and he just shot and it was it's a beautiful block it was uh I believe it's a nine point or a ten point but um just a beautiful gorgeous buck and uh yeah yeah it was incredible and I wouldn't he wouldn't have changed a bit all right about that hunt so it's a successful, you know, were you planning on failing your first trip out there? I mean, were oh, you planning 100%. on harvesting at all? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, we thought it was going to be a dumpster fire, but we're like, screw it. Let's just try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, what that, that's what you think about every year. You plan for the worst and hope for the best. Right, right. All right, so then you – you go, you, I mean, he, your buddy shoots this buck and what did you do the last two days of the, the hunt? Did you, tr- cause you had a combo tag. Did you try to get a, a, a buck as well? Yes. And we almost completely tagged out in that amount of time. I actually, on the last day, um, I was shooting a compound at the time and that bow that I was shooting with, I was extremely confident in my setup and I was especially from a guy from the Midwest going out west and obviously you do a lot of preparation I was shooting at very long distances and I was very confident in my setup and on the last day last afternoon a two and a half year old eight point came out and he (laughs) came out to what I thought was um I believe it was 65 yards I believe it was yeah. But long story short, what happened was when my buddy that was filming the hunt, Jason, he was range finding it and he, when he was using the range finder, it switched from yards to meters. Oh. And, and while this buck is coming in, he's like trying to think in his head what the calculations are from yards to meters. And I'm like about to get, on, get full draw and he just gave me a random yardage and I ended up shooting over that deer. But, um, and then figured out later what the difference is between yards and meters. But right. in the heat of the moment, yeah, I think he okay. told me it was, he just said, shoot for, shoot for 70 and shot right over him. Yeah. Okay. So as you, I mean, there's a lot of, did you, and you drove out there, right? Yeah. So it was a long drive. Okay. So how, how many hours from Montana back to where you live in Michigan? Um, with, we drove straight through the night. We never slept. 
we would take turns sleeping. Um, we just drove straight through, and I believe with stops for gas and eating, I believe it still took 31 hours. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a trek. Man, that's crazy, though. Uh, yes. Now, on on your ride home, I mean, yep. you guys just accomplished something that very rarely happens, right? Yes. First-time hunters, I think, like, the average percentage – a success rate in the like for elk and uh for archery elk and is less than 10 percent uh probably. i believe I, I believe the area that i was at they said archery equipment in that area to shoot a bull elk was at two percent okay all right there you have it right there so you you got in a way kind of lucky right i mean do you think oh, that it extremely. was yeah you had some skill where your buddy was able to be out there and, uh, you know, put you in a, a good spot. But at the same time, just for all those things to, to come together, uh, there, yeah. was, there had to be a little luck involved as well. But, you know, you guys were riding you, – you guys must have been riding high on that car ride home. I mean, what, oh. what, kind, of, what kind of conversations did you have on that ride home? <laughs> oh, my gosh. we were First of all, we were wondering why we're driving home because – Montana so perfect in every single way and um yeah we didn't want to leave but we were on cloud nine the whole time and well but that's what we told each other we're like I don't think we're ever going to be able to be as successful again if anything it's just going to take a ton of luck especially in the time span that we had with just being able to only be there for a week instead of like two weeks that was just sheer luck in all aspects and yeah it was we we were on cloud nine the whole trip we were just so jacked up right so then um with so you're pumped were you already discussing about coming back out there the following year oh we already we already had everything planned okay Um, so which you did right you came out the next three years as well yes okay so we kind of we kind of talked a lot about that very first year and, and your first experience out there, which yep. you know is a great. You, you got to talk about that before you get into anything else. Yep. But so, give me an overview of what happened the next the next three years. Reality happened. For yeah. the next That big time. We uh, second year of the first year we hunted um, the west side of Montana. That's also why the drive was so long. Right. And um, the second year, we tried a completely different area. We actually went to the, around the Beartooth Mountains. And um, that year, the weather and everything was incredible. We also, I believe, we hunted, I think it was the third week of September. And the the rut is so, it fluctuates. You never know when it's going to be early or when it's going to be late. And um, that year, I, we don't know. We heard that the grizzly population was incredible in that area, and we didn't know if that was the reason, but the elk were just silent, and we could not find them. Um, The only time that we actually ran into elk was when we were setting up camp. We had um, a really big bull chase his cows right basically into our camp, and they put the brakes on at about 40 yards they go oh shiz 
and they turned around and ran off. And that's the only time that we've seen an elk that whole trip for that whole week. Wow. Wow. But okay. So reality hit. And then that, uh, that success rate, you know, you got lucky the first year and then the rest, the next three years it averaged everything out. Yes, basically. And then the, then last year when we went out, um, it rained about 85 to 90% of the trip. The only day that we had, the only day that we had no rain was the first day. Right. Right. Man, that's crazy. Uh, but it's the West, right? And yeah, it's worth every penny. Right. So let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, once you get out there, your dream you know, the last four years, your dream, your dreams have become a reality. What, yep. what kind of prep uh, planning and prep work goes into it now? Just being in shape is a really big one. Um, I mean, you don't have to get balls to the wall. I mean, it's just, just don't go out there having no, like not doing it. If you haven't been running or anything like that, I mean, you'll figure you can figure out a way and if you're if your mental game is strong you'll get through it but if you're mentally there and you're physically there um you you're gonna you can get somewhere with that for sure um you plan ahead like trying to get there early just in case if uh you get altitude sickness um my buddy jason that goes out there with me he doesn't get altitude sickness it's just me so what we've been doing is the last two years after that first trip, we'd go out there an extra two days early. And those first two days, we'd just stay down at lower elevation. We'd hunt whitetails only those first couple of days. Makes and sense. then we, then we'd go up, but, um, gotcha. yeah, it's just stuff like that. Just, um, your gear and all that, just make sure you have a, a somewhat decent pack. And once again, I mean, you hear all these guys out West, there's a bunch of podcasts and all that stuff like gritty Bowman and all that stuff talking about Kafaru, Mystery Ranch. Those are all quality packs. And if you want to buy those packs and all the, all that stuff, that's great. But like me, I'm a guy that goes out West for a couple weeks out of the year. And oh, my gear is somewhat different from here and there. And like, I don't need to go out and spend $600 on a tent. And honestly, the tent that we use, we bought from the store Meyer here in Michigan yep. for 40 bucks and they've lasted all every single year and we're going to use them again this year and they work great. Um, yeah, it's just, you just got, got to get the gear that'll get you by and you don't right. need to break the bank for sure. When you go on these out, you can, you can, you can go out there to the bare essentials and go out there and kill an elk. It's just how you do it. And if you plan out, you look at maps you talk to people, figure out a general area of where they should head. You, you can figure it out. It's, 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 it's scary to think about it because you're not there. You're so far away. And to think I have no clue where to go. You just have the, the hardest part is driving out there. Once you're out there, you figure it out. I can yeah. guarantee it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, my one of my last questions for you is it seems like you love the west right i mean yeah. you're, it's something that you're going to plan on doing uh 
every year, right? Yeah, yeah. So why are you not living out there? Dang it, I don't know. I want to so bad. Um, Do you have a girlfriend? I don't know. No, I don't. Do you have any kids? No. Hmm. Trust me, I know I know what you're saying right now. Hmm. I know what you're thinking. I know. If you, dude, let me tell you, you're 23, right? Yeah, yeah. You can always go home. I know. Right? You can always go home. Yep. Dude, like, <laughs> you need to go. You need to be out there. Like, this is me. This is me from a, coming from a guy who's lived through the experiences and maybe, maybe having some regret in his life about the stuff that he's done previous. But I, I think like, what do you do now for a living? I actually uh, do custom closets and kitchens. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a place that uh, would hire you out there or start your own business out there. Uh, Everything that it sounds to me like, Every, I mean, you love whitetails. There's whitetails. Um, oh, I, yeah. underst- I understand there's family back home, but there comes a time in in a man's life where he's got to go out and explore. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, and I don't know if your mom or dad would hate me for saying this, but you need you you need to live a, live your life. And oh, I yeah. think that I think that means going out west and living there. I'll definitely make sure that Jody Ledger does not hear this because <laughs> she, she would be a little frustrated right now. But no, I, no, trust me, I know exactly what you're saying, and it Have is you a thought, thought about that it? runs through. My, oh my gosh, yes, I think about it every dang day. But it's it's like hunting out there. The hardest part is just going out there. Once you once you're out there, you figure it out. Right. I'm trying to I'm trying to mentally get that way with like you should like totally go out there and just live out there. Yeah. Yeah. I told my wife, I told my wife the other day, I said, if you want to live in, if you said today, Hey, I want to move out to, uh, I want to move out to Montana or Colorado or Wyoming or Idaho or, you know, someplace out West. Yeah. I would have her house on the market first thing tomorrow morning. Like I would, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. And obviously she she doesn't want to because all of her, you know, all of our family and the grand, you know, we got grandkids now and stuff like that. But, um, and that's why I am so focused like me personally on trying to set up and figure out a life where we can do both. Um, and I, I, that's, you know, that's always an option too. You know, you yeah. could be, you could be that guy who, do you work for yourself or do you work for somebody else? I work for a company. Oh, you work for a company. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you have, maybe, maybe you could, I know a guy who he is in construction and he has a deal worked out with his, with his boss where from December to like, no, wait. January one after the first of the year he goes back to work and he works from let's see January February March April May June July August so that's what eight months straight yep. he works almost every day and then his boss lays him off 
so he can go out and he take, he lives in this guy lives in Wisconsin. So I think their deer season opens uh, September 15th. Yeah. And, and he, he busts his ass all year round, goes out for a Western trip, maybe two, and then comes back and hunts the rest of the year. And that's what he does. Yeah. That's what this guy does. Um, Gosh. and he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a family or kids, but, yeah. uh, but that's a, that's a good that's a good setup right there. Oh yeah, so I've also to, I've I've also thought about because I own a house and all that stuff here. Yeah, I've thought about just what if I just sold the house and just just even even if it was just to move out there for a year, yeah, just to try it. Right. I've I've always thought about that too. Because every year you don't do it, it will be harder to do it. That's why I'm going out for two weeks this year. Just just get a little bit more than one week right. and see how that feels. So are you going after elk and mule deer again or antelope or whitetail or what are you doing? Um, going to be the first, uh, first week of September, I'm going to be in Wyoming and that's going to be just a deer hunt. Um, I have absolutely no clue where I'm going there, but we're going to figure it out. And, um, then I'm going to pick, I'm going to go to Casper, Wyoming, pick up my buddy Jason at the airport and he has an elk and deer tag combo for Montana, and then we're going to drive from there to Montana, and then I'm just going to be there to take photos, call, be the caller, and hopefully pack out his elk with him. Nice. And then maybe go after a deer, and if he somehow, by the grace of God, he tag out early, I might see go to the local gas station see if they got any over-the-counter tags still available. That's the way to do it, man. That'd be incredible. Well, I want you to, I want you to make sure that at the end of you, you keep in touch because I want to have a follow up podcast with you. Hopefully, where you're like, yeah, man, I pulled the trigger. I'm moving to Montana, or I'm moving to Wyoming, or Colorado, <laughs> or wherever, you know. And and that way, your dreams can become a. Just imagine how fun it would be for you to go hunt places that you could scout and that you could, you know, you were scouting all summer long. You found where the bulls live. You found where the, yeah. the bucks live. And then you just go, you can hunt them there too. Be absolutely incredible. And the one thing that I would really enjoy is shed hunting. We're in Michigan. Oh, yeah. I've only found one shed in my whole life here where yeah. you go out there and you don't know what kind of shed you're going to find. You might find a Shires moose paddle you might find a bull elk you might find a mule deer whitetail you know you have no clue right absolutely man well good luck you got to keep me posted on on how this uh this two-week adventure goes in uh oh i definitely will man i definitely will hey thanks for coming on the podcast hey thank you so much dan and we're done Huge shout out to Blake for coming on the podcast, giving up some of his free time to uh, chat with us and share his, what is to me, obvious passion for uh, hunting. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time to download. You know, guys, I've said, I I repeat it every day and I really mean it. Uh, Without you guys, this podcast is is nothing. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast, Gearhead archery wasp archery exodus outdoor gear and their trail cameras ripcord archery deer lab software bighorn outfitters 
Lone Wolf Tree Stands, and last but not least, Ozonix Scent Elimination. Guys, be sure to go uh, check out Ozonix. Uh, I'm telling you, it's the real deal. Now, if you haven't already, please go leave an iTunes uh, review. Please go like the Facebook page, Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. Go like the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page. Go like my Twitter feed or follow it or whatever it is that you got to do. A lot of information, a lot of giveaways are done on my social media platforms. uh, So uh, be sure to follow that. Uh, National Deer Alliance, please go check out the National Deer Alliance. If you haven't already, become a member. It's free. Get educated so you can be a voice for the deer hunter. Uh, Other than that, guys, it's not rocket science. Wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.